Hey folks, welcome to Josh's Worst Nightmare Oddcast presented by Denver Horror Collective. I'm your host, Josh Schlossberg, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, we have Richard Dansky. Richard Dansky is a 20 plus year veteran of the video game industry who has written for titles such as The Division One and Two, Splinter Cell, Blacklist, and many more. He has published eight novels, the most recent being Ghost of a Marriage, available in February 2022 from Crossroad Press. His short fiction has appeared in The Jewish Book of Horror, Pseudopod, Space and Time, among others. Previously, he was a key contributor to White Wolf's classic World of Darkness tabletop RPG setting. Richard lives in North Carolina with a cat named Goblin and several bottles of single malt scotch. Welcome to my nightmare, Richard. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am very glad you're here. And I know Richard through the Jewish Book of Horror. That's a book I edited, an anthology I edited for Denver Horror Collective. And Richard submitted an excellent story about pirate rabbi and it ended up being the the uh first in line story and so i am glad to have him in my sphere because he is an incredible incredible wordsmith and storyteller thank you very much of course so on josh's worst nightmare i invite on horror writers to talk about an aspect of biological horror which i frame as living creatures and vital processes in some way relevant to their writing. This episode, we've got a big topic. It's cryptids, literally large. So Richard, what would you define a cryptid as? A cryptid is a creature that is as yet unknown to science. And on one hand, cryptids can be defined as things like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, things that are legendary, which might have some truth behind them. And on the other hand, it's just a new species of antelope or whatever that people are constantly finding as they explore what's left of the wilderness of the world. Fascinating. So the typical ones that most folks know would be Sasquatch or Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. Would the Jersey Devil, does that count? Absolutely. The, uh, the Leeds Devil, as it is called in New Jersey. Right, right. So... Of all the cryptids, which are the ones that fascinate you the most, would you say? The one that really gets me is Sasquatch, um, in part because I know eight people who swear they have seen it. That's pretty cool. Now, I used to live in the Pacific Northwest, where it is thought to be the home of Sasquatch, but I also live in Colorado right now, and I lived in Vermont, and it seems like anyone in a forested area kind of claims Sasquatch. Well, where do you feel like Sasquatch's home range was, is, will be? <laughs> well, I think any place that there's a lot of woods and a lot of uh, biomass for something like a Sasquatch to eat could possibly support a small population. Um, if you look, there's literally Sasquatch stories from every part of the country, from almost every part of the world. You've got the Yeren in China, you've got the Yowie in Australia, you've got the Alma in Russia. Um, all of these places that have a wilderness to them have a wild man story. And usually the local name for the Sasquatch or Bigfoot or whatever it is translates to the thing that lives over there in the forest. Mm. Now, would the Yeti be considered in the same family or is that kind of different? That, that would be the same, same family, I think. 
Now, is it true that these are all northern areas in which Bigfoot? Have you heard of much from southern, like South America or Africa or Australia? Australia has the Yowie, oh, okay. um, which is a very much a, a Bigfoot type creature. You did mention that, right? So, okay, so it's not necessarily like a cold northern forest thing. This is literally around the world, right? Though. Uh, Every every region has its own cryptids. Um, South America, the one of the ones that I'm familiar with is the Mapanguari, which is not a Bigfoot, but is a big critter that some people think is um, related to the giant tree sloth, or sorry, giant ground sloth that went extinct about 10,000 years ago. Hmm. So yeah, Bigfoot has definitely loomed large, at least in the North American consciousness, of course. From Native American oral tradition down to pop culture, pretty much in lots of films. There's a, a recent fiction book by Max Brooks, who wrote World War Z. He wrote a book about Sasquatch recently, which was pretty cool to see that still in the rotation. So in, in terms of Sasquatch, so is that in your mind a missing link to humans or completely unrelated? The best guess that people seem to have is that it's related to the Gigantopithecus, which was a branch off the primate family tree that went extinct a while ago. And that seems to fit the description, quote unquote, of what has been seen um, best. I don't think it's a missing link on the road to Homo sapiens. I think um, if it exists, it's a side branch on our family tree. Right. So we would have a common ancestor the way we would for chimpanzees, although so we, we would be more related to Bigfoot, to Sasquatch than we would be to a chimpanzee. Right. In theory. Right. OK. Right. But the idea that it was like this was we were Bigfoot once not the case. It's just you go far back enough. One of the offshoots of some kind of hominid. That's where that went down the, the family tree and we branched off differently. Right. That's pretty cool. Now I won't put you on the spot here, but what is the, but I guess I will. What is the percentage you think of Bigfoot? Let's first say ever having existed. I would say pretty good. Um, wow. There's a lot of wilderness out there. There's a lot of things that um, we don't know about. And there's you know plenty of room for a big predator in the wilderness and in the wild uh like a bigfoot would be particularly if it's an omnivore where, where it can just sort of chew on all the biomass right right and are these supposed to be so these would be carnivores omnivores probably omnivores probably if they're primates so maybe like a bear most of their food comes from berries and tubers and but then they will occasionally eat animals or carcasses mm -hmm. well there's stories of um for example deer with that have been killed by having their neck snapped and their legs snapped and their livers have been removed and eaten hmm. or well removed we don't know quite what happened to them but eaten's the best guess so that's one of the stories that ties into the Sasquatch myth, supposedly that it, it did that. Mm -hmm. 
So what do you think the likelihood is of Bigfoot? Obviously, we're not talking about one Bigfoot, but big the Bigfoot species still existing today. I can't give you a number, but I would say that I would certainly hope that Bigfoot is out there just to add a little more wonder to the world. Yeah. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time in forests and there is a lot of land where people don't see now native Americans, they got around a lot more and they claim to have seen this, these individuals all the time. And I'm somebody who's probably gotten into forests more than most people, but I stay on trails for the most part, right? I'm, I'm in, for the most part, well-trodden areas, even though I go out into the wilderness, even though I'm by myself and fairly quiet, I'm, most animals can hear me coming from a half a mile away. So it's not really impossible for there to be tracts of land where these creatures are and they've learned to avoid humans because I think we would clearly be their, their number one threat. So theoretically, I think anyone who says there's no chance of them existing, I think they're they're talking out of their ass. Now, I, I wouldn't necessarily, I'm not assuming one way or another, but I think that there's definitely room for Bigfoot in this world. I certainly hope so. And like I said, I know people who claim to have seen it, and I'm certainly not going to accuse them of lying. Um, it's fo- folks that I have a great deal of trust in. Sure. And... You know, it's, if nothing else, it's great stories from them. Right. And if we want to go dark, there are a lot of unexplained disappearances in certain forested areas. Like the humans are just gone. And I don't want to say that Bigfoot is preying on humans, but perhaps that could be an explanation or or maybe they're their decayed rotted bodies after they fell into the gully. Maybe that's why those bodies can't be found. Who knows? Well, that's, uh, I think David Polity's the missing 411 stuff has sort of gone into that territory. I'm not quite sure. I haven't kept up mm-hmm. with his work, but uh, that's, there are stories of Sasquatch attacks. Um, the Ape Canyon one being the most famous one, I think, um, that happened on Mount St. Helens, actually, where a bunch of prospectors were um, holed up in a cabin while supposedly Sasquatches attacked them from the outside. Hmm. That's that was cool. a long time ago, but uh, it's an interesting story. It is. But clearly, even if there were occasional run-ins, if they were predatory on humans, we would have been dealing with them a lot more and it doesn't seem like it. So if Bigfoot exists, I don't think that they're any more threat than any other wild animal and probably even less so because they probably have the, the higher intelligence to know to stay as far away from po- as possible from humans. So uh, I would certainly hope so. Yeah. Though uh, that didn't keep me from uh, having a uh, man-eating Sasquatch in a story that I just wrote and submitted. <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with that. And any uh, incarnation of a Sasquatch is okay in my book. So we're talking about forests and creatures there. Now let's talk a little bit about lake monsters, right? So those are definitely cryptids. And the most popular one, of course, is the Loch Ness Monster in Scotland. But here in the States, I used to live in Vermont and I used to live in Burlington. So Lake Champlain. So there's a creature called champ and then many lakes. And most of these come from 
Native American oral tradition. But what do you think about lake creatures? I'm of the opinion that most of them are probably big sturgeon or things like that. Most of the lakes that have these monster stories attached to them are glacial lakes, which means they're 10,000 years old. So it's not likely it's a plesiosaur running around in there. Yeah. Um, I'm sure people have seen something big. Um, there's some interesting stories out of Alaska about giant fish, things like that. But um, I don't think that there's, you know, a uh, an elasmosaurus lurking in Scotland at this point. Yeah. Just because the uh, the lake isn't isn't old enough, and it would have been really weird for a uh, creature like that to have made its way into a lake. In, in sufficient numbers for there to be a breeding population. Right. So that's all assuming that cryptids are purely biology, right? So if there are supernatural elements to cryptids, then that would open the door to pretty much anything in theory. Yes. Yeah. If you go with the, uh, the Toko hypothesis, then that opens the door to a whole lot of stuff. Right. So anything is possible. Now, this is a probably a dumb question. Do elves and fairies count as cryptids? Well, there are certainly people who believe in them. Um, I'm not sure that they would fit into the sort of traditional cryptid that a Lauren Coleman or someone would be chasing after, but right. there are people in the world who do believe they exist, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I've always been interested in that. I think someday I'd like to write a really dark elf thing. I'm not a fan of the happy, nice elves and fairies and in fact if you go back to the earliest tales of them in celtic traditions and british folklore they're not really friendly they're not like happy-go-lucky they steal your kids and stuff <laughs> mm -hmm. and you look at something like a red cap which you know supposedly dyed its hat in the blood of its victims and uh... <laughs> that's pretty dark that's definitely yep. dark so what other cryptids interest you would you say I would say next one on the list would be Mothman. Hmm. So tell us a little bit about Mothman. Well, Mothman was seen in the 60s in Point Pleasant, West Virginia and surrounding environments. Um, the events leading up to the collapse of the Silver Bridge. And it was chronicled most notably by John Keel in the Mothman prophecies. Um, but there have been sightings since then or sightings of Mothman-like creatures all over the world. And it's fascinating. Some people think it's a harbinger of disaster. Some people think it's a warning creature. Some people think it's supernatural. Some people think it's a sandhill crane. Right. So, huh. so that's in your neck of the woods. Relatively, yeah. I've, I have been to Point Pleasant. I've actually been to the Mothman Museum, which is great if you ever get a chance to go. Um, it has all sorts of memorabilia from John Keel and from the original Mothman flap when all the sightings were happening, plus a bunch of stuff from the movie, The Mothman Prophecies. So it was really cool and a good time. And so the, the physicality of Mothman, so is there a consensus on that or do different people have different versions of it? Uh, different people have different versions of it. Um, there are, there are people who absolutely swear by it. There are people who say, you know, it's a sandhill crane. That explains the red eyes because the, uh, the plumage of the sandhill crane is red hmm. underneath the wings, I believe. And so that 
created the illusion of the giant staring red eyes. Okay. So if it were Mothman, in theory, it would be insectile, or it could just resemble something insectile. Yeah. I mean, the name is, is the name. Um, there's actually a statue of Mothman in Point Pleasant that looks like it's straight out of Marvel Comics. He's absolutely ripped with abs and everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, out there doing his ab exercises to get the proper definition. <laughs> Mothman crunches. Yep, there we go. <laughs> Whole Mothman fitness routine and something on YouTube you could follow probably. Give that a try. So what else in terms of cryptids strikes your fancy? Um, there's all sorts of stuff that's out there. Um, there's in uh, North Carolina, there was the uh, siren of the French broad, which was something that was sighted in the French broad river way back in the day. Uh, the beast of Bladensboro, which was a unknown creature that uh, showed up, I believe in, I want to say the sixties or seventies. Um, it's, it's always fascinating to me, the stories that people come up with when they get a little taste of the unknown mm. for sure yeah and this is it's such a cool topic because it does skirt that chasm between potentially supernatural fictitious and absolutely real creatures we find all sorts of creatures that we didn't even know exist did all the time there were all sorts of weird i mean you just look back into the historical record of dinosaurs they're the weirdest creatures that have ever existed so the idea of like oh these things couldn't exist uh, well guess what other ones that were quite similar definitely did and on this list here this may not be some definitive list but they include mermaid i never thought of a cryptid mermaid as a cryptid do you think that fits into that category i think that's one of the more out there ones i mean people right. swear they've seen them so that i guess they go on the list but um, that sort of melding of mammal and fish doesn't really work for me. Yeah. And I think I talked about mermaids on the last episode briefly as well. And I have very strong feelings about mermaids because if there are mermaids, I can guarantee you they're not going to be hot and sexy, right? That's the one mm -hmm. thing for sure that they would not be. And I've always been annoyed by that depiction of like, why, why would they be like perfect have perfect complexion like they're in the ocean it's cold and wet they're running away from or swimming away from sharks and other things i don't think they would be physically attractive probably not down my alley no and uh you know can we blame walt disney for that or <laughs> or on unrealistic feminine beauty standards for mermaids all of that yes so there's another thing so thunderbirds now those were kind of real, weren't they? Uh, yeah. If you look at the fossil record, things called teratorns. Yep. Um, were gigantic birds, condor-like. Um, and there have been sightings of thing, gigantic birds um, in the American Midwest uh, going back a ways. Uh, there's one story about one time when a kid got picked up by one of them and... Uh, barely escaped hmm. yeah the idea of the giant bird that's that's a pretty cool concept and that would be horrifying because at least a big creature on the ground you can sort of get away with or get away from but if something is coming from the air 
there's not much you can do to avoid it. And that's yeah. definitely in our, if you want to say genetic memory as primates, right? As primates, hawks and eagles, were, they pick off primates all the time. Yep. So danger from below, danger from above. It's something to be aware of. Uh, let's see what else here. So ja there's jackalope, which is the, it's kind of like Southwestern, right? Yeah, that, that one's definitely made up. It's um, <laughs> from a, I believe it's a fungal infection uh, that rabbits get that make it look like they have horns. So it's not, it's not a real, you know, rabbit with antlers. I'm fine with that. It wasn't very interesting to me anyway, the jackalope. It's like, yeah. it doesn't have any cool, real cool powers or anything like that. The Ursula Vernon story, uh, Jackalope Wives, is a, a fantastic story if you ever get a chance to read it. Oh, okay. That's worth checking out. So what else about cryptids? Like, why do you think they do hold such fascination for so many people still? I think it's because we like the idea of there being something out there that that we haven't discovered everything. The idea that there is still some mystery in the universe. Uh, for us to uncover, um, you know, the, the, the mysteries of particle physics and of, of deep space astronomy are a little esoteric for people, but hey, the woods are right next door and there might be something living in them. And that's a little bit of a frisson of fear that people can get and a little bit of excitement that people can get that's close to home. Right. And I think the fact that there are so many commonalities around the world in places where cultures evolved completely independently and then they have the same stories right yep so that's either some collective unconscious stuff or some of these things are real yeah well, like i said i hope they're real just to, to add that little touch of mystery to the world yeah my um, my fear is that if they are real and too many people find out about them they won't be real anymore because they will be destroyed yeah well i went to a bigfoot conference back in 2019 which was um a little bit out on the fringe side of the subject i'm i'm more interested in things like footprints and recordings of calls and you know things like that and this this conference was home to people who talked about bigfoots coming out of flying saucers and oh things like that. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't particularly useful to me, but the, uh, one of the guys there was absolutely adamant that the government was hunting Sasquatches from black helicopters to help the lumber industry. Well, to help. So as in it's an impediment to the lumber industry to have Sasquatch out there, explain that. Um, apparently they were destroying equipment or messing with lumberjacks or things like that, or huh. it's, I have no idea. The, uh, the cuckoo meter kind of went off at that point and <laughs> I, I kind of tuned out a little, yeah, um, well, uh, somebody who does appreciate forests a lot. I do like the idea of Sasquatch protecting the forest from, from the timber industry, but yeah, that doesn't sound to check out too well yeah and there was a uh, recent program on hulu called sasquatch which was supposedly about 
Sasquatches tearing up some drug dealers in Northern California. And of course it turned into a true crime oh, thing oh. with, with a distinct absence of Sasquatches, which I found to be very disappointing. That's stupid. Yeah. So probably pot farmers or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Cause a lot of folks are out there doing gorilla grows as they call them. And yeah, I guess Sasquatch wouldn't be happy with that, but I, I do think the Sasquatch does loom so large because of course the, the humanid humanoid aspect, and it's worth mentioning. So Lewis Leakey, he is a anthropologist who did a lot of study. He was a legendary scientist and uh, he was sort of Jane Goodall's mentor. He just passed away recently. So I just thought that was worth mentioning because, I mean, he, he would probably be dismissive, however, of, of Sasquatch. And do you feel like no, no shade casting on Lewis Leakey or anything like that, but do you think that a lot of the scientific world might be a little too dismissive on cryptids? Well, I think science is really the spirit of inquiry. And so you have scientists like the late Grover Krantz and Jeff Meldrum from Idaho State who are exploring this mystery from a scientific perspective. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you have a lot of scientists who look at their look at the evidence and dismiss it because the evidence doesn't add up to them. And it is what it is. Um, as long as somebody's working in the field, I think it's a good thing. Right. So what else should folks know about cryptids? Any, any general conclusive thoughts on cryptids as a whole? Uh, just that the stories are out there and they're worth listening to. And a lot of stories have turned out to be true. Uh, things like mountain gorillas and whatever were considered cryptids at one time, you know, until they were uh, brought to science and formally categorized. So keep your ears open and keep your mind open and you never know what might uh, pop up. Yeah. And in so far as I'm looking at a list of those like hundreds here, can horror fiction be doing a little bit more of inclusion? It seems like there is just so much fertile ground with this. And we do hear of a few Bigfoot stories and a few things like that, but do you feel like it's sort of unexplored territory? Oh, absolutely. I think so. Um, I think part of it is actually just getting people over the hump into other critters besides Bigfoot Mm -hmm. and exploring the sort of wide world of cryptids that is out there. Um, And part of it is, you know, these, some of these things just make cool monsters Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of room for exploring something different from werewolf, vampire, zombie that uh, cryptids I think could supply. I totally agree with that. And for folks who are still skeptical, think about it this way. So what they called the megafauna were mammals, all those critters that lived during the uh, ice age, factual, certainly they existed. Things like giant sloth, all sorts of amazing creatures. And guess what? We still have those creatures today. We have elk. I have these elk living near my house. I go outside and I'm like, I can't believe how, how large and unusual they are. Moose, bear across the board. Those are megafauna. Those are basically in a way just known cryptids. So I hope folks won't be as dismissive and keep the open mind, right? Yep, absolutely. Well, Richard, it was great to have you on. 
could you maybe say what you might be working on now and if there's anywhere where folks can find your work? Um, right now I'm working on a new novel um, with The Ghost of Marriage coming out next month. Um, you can find my work most recently at Pseudopod, where um, my stories Licking Roadkill and On Seeds of Blood and Salt were both recently uh, played. And yeah, you can find me at my website, richarddansky.com. And then, of course, that story on Seas of Blood and Salt in the Jewish Book of Horror. So any of the listeners who haven't picked that book up yet, definitely do so. Richard's stuff is definitely a marvel. Well, thank you so much, Richard. It was great to have you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective. If you don't want to miss any of the great, and sometimes disturbing, weekly episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com, where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological folk horror novella, Moline, from D&T Publishing, you can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, Godless.com, or joshesworstnightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg.